Welcome to Bean Stuff. Today we are joined by an incredible barista. Yes. We are joined by Brandon Luthie, and Ooh. he works at Lionheart in uh, in Beaverton. Mm-hmm. And we yeah. are so stoked to have you on the show today. Um, Dad, we were just talking about this right before the podcast, but how did you how did you two meet? That's a good question. Brandon, what's your version of it? Yeah, so uh, we um, had originally met through Caravan. Um, before, or I guess in the beginning of my coffee journey, I was managing um, a little shop at my college at George Fox. That's and, right. Uh, um, and so we uh, used Caravan Coffee, and then um, I would start coming in all the time. And then after I graduated, um, I got a job there doing the coffee deliveries. Um, helped a little bit in the tasting room, helped a little bit in production. Um, yeah, and then uh, Paul and I just kind of started geeking out about coffee. And then I, I, re- just, I remember that part. I just kind of went downhill from there. So. Down. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> and Brandon, how long have you been baristing for coffee or like being a coffee barista? Um, I think I've been in coffee since 2012, so about six years, I believe now. Wow. Um, yeah, I had originally gotten my start in um, a little cafe in San Francisco called Grand Coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, it was amazing. It was uh, a shop about the size of this room, maybe <laughs> like eight by ten. Wow! Um, and pretty much everything was to go. And uh, the owner was a bartender for about twelve years, and so um, he took all of his bartending skills, applied it to coffee. And so, as far as like uh, customer service it was incredible because you really knew how to talk to everyone there you mm. know and so um it really became like the hub of the neighborhood so uh, so yeah and then uh, i was there for about four or five months and then came back up to uh, george fox managed to shop for a little bit um i learned a lot during that time of like how not to do things <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and then uh and then i started working at caravan and then at symposium i was there for Three years, I think. Mm. Um, yeah, I was there as a barista, and then I started managing that. The the or or I was an assistant manager for both shops in Sherwood and Tigard, and then uh, took like two year break from coffee, and then um, I started working at Lineheart on the weekend. So, well, today we want to dive into coffee. The basic parts of an espresso machine. Maybe there's some people who haven't like actually name put a name to all the parts there's so many parts there's a group head the pressure gauge boilers steam arm tamper filter basket oh and probably that's more. a lot i mean i mean that's just a basic yeah, kind of run through but the i guess the first part i think about is what coffee comes out of and that's the portafiller and the head are there different are, are there a lot of different variants between coffee machines and like the head or the quality of that head or you know i i, I mean yes and no i i mean you can um have so I guess like in terms of like, so you can have different kinds of portafilters. Um, uh, I don't remember the exact name, but um, Zucco, uh, I think there's standard portafilters made out of brass and then it's got um, a chrome coating over it, hmm. but you can buy an upgrade that's just a straight steel. And that's the one that really helps you improve your coffee consistency. Interesting. Uh, just because it holds the temperature a little bit better. But then also, um, you can have like a pretty mediocre machine, but I think the most important thing is going to be your grinder. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you have oh, a good grinder. Preach it. Preach it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because then, you know, because then like um, if, if your grind has 
better consistency mm-hmm. and that's going to improve your um and that's going to improve your espresso you know this is i mean that's kind of um something that um, I've always heard, but then also I've also found out through experience is that mm. um, what's going to make the biggest difference in your coffee, like regardless of what kind of method you're using, yeah. it's going to be your grinder. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And there's there's two other givens in there too that we we love our coffee, so we sort of assume everyone knows this mm-hmm. fresh coffee. We've talked about that before, and we will talk about it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And which then the grind comes into there, and and the water too. What sort of water oh, yeah. are you using? That's yeah. going to make a huge. How much water is in an espresso? I mean, the I, I, you know I guess like the like standard for um, uh, um, espresso is one part uh, espresso, two parts water, right? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what I'd say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. today, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so it's incredible, even the quality of the water, mm-hmm. the quality of the grind, mm-hmm. the metal or the material in the head, mm-hmm. and the temperature that, and of the water. Just, that's all just a small part. The mm-hmm. pressure, obviously, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I, I didn't even think about until um, you got here this morning, Brandon, was the, the tamp. Mm-hmm. And I guess I just didn't think about it. Right. But you were saying, obviously, like the, the portafillers have different sizes. So right. the tamps have different sizes uh-huh. diameters yeah. right but the, also the tamps have different styles right um what style do you typically or what do you have your own tamp that you that you bring I, to work or do you I, use no, one so we, we just have the one um that is at Lineheart, but it's just like a standard uh um um it's just flat you know it's gotcha. really like it's you know until um, as long as it fits the size of your portafilter mm. then i think that's what's important but then also you have some that have the concave bottom mm. um i saw some it's like um, a kick yeah it's um, a kickstarter uh it's got some needles in it to essentially like aerate your coffee um the same way that you would um a lawn you know yeah. just, um that's crazy i want one of those i, I know, know. <laughs> <laughs> for my lawn <laughs> the outside tamping the lawn i do a little tedious but okay. you know. <laughs> big one big one big well go. and they also come in different weights as well yeah and different handles and different mm-hmm. things because what's the and this might be getting off in the weeds a bit but no, no, no. what are you looking for when you're tamping is it 30 pounds of pressure or i i mean it, yeah i mean i think that's kind of general rule of thumb as yeah. long as everyone i mean if you're in a shop i think as long as everyone is doing it the same mm. you know because that way everyone um can jump on the espresso machine and you know and it's the exact same product you know right yeah. well and that's a good point too like especially in like a, a cafe or a shop there's so many variables in just the different people mm-hmm. who are using those mm-hmm. machines let alone the limitless variables mm-hmm. of the coffee in the machine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Back to um, to the question. I think for like tamping, like I mean, really, like um, I really, I don't know. I think it's just like is one of those things that really just makes it special because you can like mm. if you love your tamper, mm. then you feel more connection to the coffee. You know, as you know, as opposed to just like the standard plastic or. Or aluminum one without much character, but then you mm. have one with like wood handle. I think to me, like that just gives it a lot of character and needs to have more connection. But, yeah, you know, I mean, that's just me. I remember I have to point out here that a while back when Rand and I were nerding out and doing other things as well, I remember he gave me as a gift once 
a Kent Tampa. It has this incredible wood it's handle. Super cool. I still have it, use it today. And I agree with you. So there's this emotional attachment to the person possibly mm-hmm. too, but also to making the coffee. It just makes it more personal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, 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 this might sound cliche, but I feel like it's, well, it's not, but the more uh, appreciation you have for the equipment, and mm-hmm. the, 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 the things you're using to make that coffee, I think that you can taste that in the coffee because you're going to care more about when you're tamping. Right. You're going to focus more on those those pieces. Um, whereas if you just have like the cheapest things, you're like, I don't really care. It makes mm-hmm. bad coffee anyway. Mm-hmm. You're going to be less less careful, I guess, in a sense. Um, whereas if you buy a, an expensive tamper or a nice one, you're going to look up and say, hey, how do right. I use this? What do yeah. I do it for? I mean, not to say that like you you have to buy nice. I right. think um, I, um, I think you can perfectly enjoy what you have at home, mm-hmm. you know? And so, but, but then like, there are a lot of small modifications you can do to, you know, I mean, like at the very least get all of your stuff. And then like, once you get that, you can kind of grow it, you know, you can like eventually put more money into like a scale, you know, or yeah. Or, or again, any sort of thing. But yeah. Yeah. And one of the things we talk about in, well, I say we, I'm not a race car driver, but, <laughs> but in race car driving is driver mods, basically free modifications to you as a person, as the driver. And so for you as the driver of the espresso machine modifications, like you were saying, you can have the equipment that maybe is not the most expensive in the world. But if you take the time to, to delve into that knowledge of that stuff, that's mm. super helpful. And you yeah, can, yeah, you can kind of limitless uh, opportunity to scale up your quality just by your own personal mm. knowledge. Um, one thing, I, one thing that stood out in our show notes real quick was the word naked. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I admitted I wrote that. Down you there. did put that in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So one of the things I wanted to, to touch on, I know Brandon, you had mentioned it earlier or no, maybe you, I don't remember who did, but the portafiller as, as, as you see on, 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 well, maybe not so much now, but on Instagram, on YouTube and those different places, you see cool portafillers. There's no spouts. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. 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 And what's, what's a spout? Well, so I guess that's a good point as well. So out of the bottom of a portafiller, typically, oh, I'm going to be dangerous with the word typical. (laughs) (laughs) But you have, you know, you have two spouts that come out, one for each a shot, you know, two shots. If you wanted to pull two shots, one spout, if you just want it to go into one cup or Mm -hmm. reservoir. Um, But sometimes you see that it's cut off on the bottom or that the the spouts have been unscrewed or taken off. Mm -hmm. Is there an advantage to that? Or is it more of a style piece or a bit of both? Well, um, I think um, I'm probably wrong. Um, but the original, or I guess the typical head with like the two uh, spouts in it, um, I think that that probably originally came out of like the Italian method because then you so. could essentially have two. Because I've seen, um, uh, there's a cafe in Portland, um, uh, Ambrose, no. I don't remember the name of it now, um, but but they're very Italian style, and so mm. for an eight ounce cappuccino, um, they will use one shot, and so you know it's just because. But then they, but then, but then they have that splitter, so they can, so then they can utilize that to have essentially two cups of coffee out of the one, and so. Interesting. Know, but but then with you know because then like um, or like you could say. You can make like um, a single shot macchiato with a sidecar espresso, but um, you know. Mm. But then, like, if you don't have your splitter, then you then you kind of 
relegated to just having one head you know and so then like your shot is dedicated to that drink which right which i think you know i mean depending who you are there are pros and cons for both but you know yeah. it's just like i've always done it to where um or like i guess like my preferred is to have the naked like it just looks mm. really pretty oh, super and pretty. but like if you don't get it right it, it's a little messy yeah it's right so one thing i wanted to talk about is uh the ritual of making the coffee, which mm-hmm. is, that's a big, that's oh, a big, yes. that's a big, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so settle down for the next hour <laughs> or six. Um, for step one. Step one. <laughs> but I guess on a basic, you know, 30,000 foot view of making coffees, well, these are all tough questions because yeah, you're simplifying such a complex process yeah, because- and ritual. Because I think for, you know, I, I mean, like, I think now that, like, we talk about it, we could mm. seriously make, like, one podcast about each. Yes. Each, each section. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But I guess without going into, ah, I don't, I, I want to go into details, but I think we don't have time today. Just, just but, summary. Yeah. But yeah. the summary, like, when, when you go up to your machine, what are the things that you need in place to effectively make an espresso? Like, as far as, like, you know, having your grinder set up, those different things, what mm. are the different pieces or components um, that are that need to be there and set up in order to make that coffee or to at least engage in that process. Well, oh man. Um, well, um, you know, I mean, I mean, like really, like it, it helps to have to have to have um, a grinder, and then you have your espresso machine, uh, then to have your milk, and then have your milk pitcher, um, your coffee, and the grinder, and then I guess like. Mm. You know, I mean, um, really, like, you need to, like, allow you, your machine to warm up, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. to, um, yeah. Well, and, and I would say, too, you, I find it helpful whether you're left-handed or right-handed, mm-hmm. just where yeah. you place your groin on the left or the right, mm-hmm. where the fridge is to open up to get the pitch and the milk out, just where you're going to place the milk. That has a, makes the whole process smooth if you can just... Well, just the, er- the ergonomics of actually... Yes. Um, yes. making the espresso are huge because time becomes a valuable asset to the coffee itself. You mm-hmm. know, um, right. you know, if you make the milk and it's on this side, then you have to go to this side and then right. pour the shot and then everything's getting cold. Yeah. And yeah. And like, I think like just, there is um, a general flow to making coffee it's and the, yeah. kind of the more you do it, the more you get in tune with, with a good flow. Yeah. Yes. And Brandon, what is your flow when you're, when you're in the groove, what's your flow? Is it like milk, coffee, yeah, so I guess for me, like what I'll do, um, if I have, uh, if I'm using a home espresso machine that has one boiler, yeah, um, then I will do my then I will do my milk first. I mean, like if, I mean, and like it's a given that I have my coffee dialed in, you know, and then so then true. So true. then once I have that done, then I'll do my milk, and then once I have that done, I will go ahead and either switch the boiler to do the. Uh, do the espresso or um, or um, however it's set up. Right. Um, and then from there, I'll do my coffee. And then while my coffee's going, I will keep my milk alive hmm. by uh, swirling it. Um, just, yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's, it, that in itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. yeah. And then um, and then I'll go ahead and then I put it all together. Yeah. Wow. And I think that's an interesting distinction as well for like, I mean, there are obviously some home espresso machines that have double boilers. So mm-hmm. you have one for your, your shot, pulling shots and one for milk. But if you have a single boiler, that does change the game quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As far as you have to 
plan in advance. Like, right, right. You can't just pull shots all the time. You, you know, you can't just move one to the other as right, easily. Right. Um, you said an interesting thing, Brendan, too. You, I think it was that we'd dial in your grinder. Yeah. I don't know if we would all know what that would mean. Okay. Because so, that's, that's, yeah. that's another podcast in right. itself almost. Well, but yeah. Well, well, what are you doing there? Um, yeah. I mean, for that, like, it, it, um, you're... You're essentially just trying to get your coffee to the point to where you are adjusting your grind and your dose to the point where uh, you can have a one to two ratio for about 24 to 30 seconds. Mm. So, and like it comes out to like 60 grams or, or double the amount of espresso that you have, um, essentially. And so really like it's, it's just trying to adjust for all of the variables, which is how old your coffee is, um, to the humidity in the air, to 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 your temperature of the water. I mean, you know, just like a slew of different variables, and so really, yeah. like you know, and so I mean, like it's pretty easy to, I mean, honestly, to go through a pound, just trying to get so through like a pound of coffee just trying to get like the like perfect espresso which wow i can i can hear a home roasters going i've only got a pound <laughs> <laughs> exactly so i mean really like i mean like if you know i mean like that like very first time that you dial it in it's mm. you're gonna use a lot of coffee right but then like once you have it in and like you keep going like it's you know, it's just be like a you know it's be like a few here and there i mean there right. are some days when i'm at the shop where it will take me about like five or six tries, you know, just to get mm. it right. But then there are other days where I don't have to do anything. It's perfect. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it just all depends. Yeah. And I think that the, the, you had mentioned like the amount of variables that are in that also points to the importance of doing that setup. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, each day could be different. You know, right. if you start pulling shots instantly, your coffee could taste drastically different to the day before. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also like, I would assume that when you are dialing in like your grinder with your machine, you're using the same coffee that you're going to, I mean, it probably sounds simple, Mm -hmm. but you're using the same coffee that you're going to be making. Right. Yeah. Because even differences in beans could be hugely different. Yeah. 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 And that's, yeah. And that could be, uh, a whole other segment. There's well, nothing worse when you're dialing in the coffee as Brendan's talking about there is if you've changed your coffee, mm. suddenly you've done the milk first yeah and then you start grinding the coffee and you realize i have not dialed oh, correct no. i've changed the coffee and oh it comes you know that comes out the the, the comes out within mm-hmm. like five seconds you know this is right. too fast right and you have got to spend a half an hour to dial and again guess what all your good efforts are keeping that milk alive it's died yeah it's well dead. and and that i guess you know like if you come into the the shop in the morning you can dial it in before people get there mm-hmm. but are you sometimes dialing stuff in kind of as on the fly like if almost you change definitely. Coffee, oh, almost yeah. definitely you know i mean i mean yeah i i mean like especially if you're in a shop that has that has a cafe blend but then also they have a single origin then also they have a decaf you know and then also they have you know and so it could really go on and so i mean at first you know i mean yeah, I, I mean, you know, and then just like throughout the day, you are you are adjusting for, um, for the um, humidity, you know, and like it will, you know, and like your coffee will change mm. from, from say like, um, from say like seven a.m. to like eleven a.m. Right, There's, you know, I mean, like it all changes, so you have to like adjust for. For the temperature in the air and yeah. Wow. And so seasonally it's going to change possibly. Oh, well, I mean, yeah. with 
winter and summer being good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like when um, I was working in San Francisco, it was really annoying during the winter hmm. because it would be, you know, just because like um, the um, humidity would change all the time about every hour. So wow. you almost had to change, you you almost had to like redial in your coffee every hour just because there's so much change. So it's variation. It, yeah, absolutely. And I suppose how many people in a shop, how many people you have coming through, the heat on the burrs and things will right. change yeah, things up. You've got exactly. 200 people versus just one's been in. Right. It's going to yeah. change. Yeah. And I mean, there's so much in that to, oh, to, yeah. to dig into, uh-huh. but... The other, the other part to briefly touch, or not the only other part, <laughs> <laughs> but one of the other aspects is the milk. And I know that um, you did some milk this morning, Dad, and Brandon, you did some milk this morning. And the the temperature of that milk, I mean, there's so much before the temperature oh, yeah. even. Oh, yeah. But with a lot of coffees, what, what kind of temperature range are we looking for? Like if I stick it in there and I turn it up to 200 degrees, you know, I'm obviously going to be burning the milk mm-hmm. at some point. Right. So what's... I guess what's a safe operating range for milk? Like, well, everybody's fl- taste yeah. is going to be different at, well, at some I mean, level. Yeah, but. and like you know, and like, I think like it really comes down to preference. I mean, if you want to go like standard um, operating procedure, um, you should turn it off at about one forty, and mm. then and then it'll rise up to like say one fifty, one fifty five. Yeah, but I mean, for me personally, for a cortado. Um, for a cappuccino, I really like it in like the 125, 135 range just mm. because then it brings out more of the natural sweetness in the milk, you know? And so, well, I mean, if you are using um, whole milk, if yeah. you're using a, a different kind of it's milk, tricky. it's, it's, <laughs> could you, could you say something about that? That's, that's actually, I found really important whole milk versus 1% skin milk. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, I mean like it really makes all of the difference in the world because, um, because those fat contents just really help. I, I, you know, like I haven't done a whole lot of research in that, but I mean, just from my experience though, mm. using whole milk really changes the coffee and then it really brings out a lot of the natural sweetness. Mm. Whereas like if you were to use a non-fat, it would be a little bit, I mean, it would just be a little bit watery and just doesn't have mm. the same body and you can't really get, and like at that point it becomes more so about, um, about the texture of, um, of your coffee. And so right. you want like a microphone in it. So like. It's really difficult to do that with like a non-fat milk, you know. Yeah, and when you're steaming milk, are you are you typically only using whole milk, or I, I guess I mean I mean like it, I mean in a shop it depends what the customer uses, but at home true. if I have a preference, it's whole milk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because I also I mean we get into a whole nother episode even, but, <laughs> but like I think of like uh, like soy milk and yeah, almond milk. Oh, right. and, the challenges or advantages or disadvantages that Oatly, all those... Oatly milks are a real popular one at our place oh, yeah. right now. And, uh-huh. and that has a whole different you know, way of steaming it. It, well, it, it, it's, it's boiling oh, yeah. point is quite different. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think in a shop, um, Oatly is probably the barista preferred alternative milk. Yeah. Because Interesting. It, because it has more so of a body of home milk. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Because I, I, I remember when, when, Dad, you used to use, I think, 2% or something for a while. I was, for a while. I was trying to watch uh-huh. my weight. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but i didn't want to go all the way down to one percent and lower i thought i can go in between two percent but i remember when you upgraded to whole milk oh yeah the the change is incredible oh, i yeah. mean oh absolutely like you said the flavor profile mm-hmm. the the body of it and mm-hmm. i think that there's so much more in a cup when you give give it that whole milk that is just oh so i decided that. to spend an extra 10 minutes on my elliptical cycle <laughs> for the whole milk worth it thank you totally <laughs> worth it. well and, and i think you know the 
people's houses I go to. Not that this is what I snoop for at their house, but if you if you get milk at their house for some reason, mm-hmm. a lot of times there's not. I, I at least I at least the people's houses mm-hmm. I'm at, there's not right. a lot of whole milk. Right. And if you're making coffee at home, that in and of itself I think is a great investment. If mm-hmm. you know if you don't have the best machine, all these different things, but you get whole milk, it's going to add so mm-hmm. much to the coffee. It's a pretty um, inexpensive way to up your it's a cheap quality. mod. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. 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 Exactly. It's just, yeah. I mean, it's just more of those like cheaper mods that you mm-hmm. can do. You know? mm-hmm. I mean, <clears throat> yeah. Like, you know, like, I, I think it really, if you were to take, take two cappuccinos, given that everything is the same except for the milk, you're going to find that the, that the whole milk just has a better mm. body and consistency to it. Mm-hmm. Whereas the, say non-fat on the other end of that spectrum is going to be like honestly pretty watery and it's really hard to work with and it's Mm. not fun yeah well i think that's an interesting test too is like you know if currently you're not using whole milk Mm -hmm. try you know buy a little thing of whole milk and try do a Mm side-by-side comparison of that Mm -hmm. and it's i think sometimes when you have those side-by-side comparisons you really see that difference like if you're only used to two percent but then you get the whole milk all Mm -hmm. of a sudden you're like what have I been missing? Like, right. That that goes into a lot of coffee stuff. I, I would call it a blind test. Mm. Whether you're testing different varieties of coffee, different countries of coffee, if you do it blind, you are going to find out which is your preferred coffee, which is your preferred milk. Right. There's a lot of yeah. things there. Doing it blind is a very helpful exercise to do. Mm. Get someone like Brendan to make it for you and, well, and, and that's you don't the other know. Thing. Right. You could always go to a coffee shop that you like their coffee and ask for different kinds of milk or something like that. I mean, I would say like, like you said, Brandon, whole milk's going to mm-hmm. personally taste yeah. the best. I have a question for Brendan. Yes, here, go for it. Yeah. Is there's another question. Of, this is, I don't think it's on our notes, so sorry. But, um, <laughs> there's a lot of thought about, do you do a blend? Do you do an estate coffee? Is there an in-between? I just wonder what your thoughts on that, because you, you have experience with these different things. Do you have a certain country you prefer, a certain process you prefer for well, an espresso? Where, where so, do you go? Well, okay. Well, I, I mean... I, Big question. It was. Well, okay. So, I mean... Uh, I mean, there's a lot of biases in coffee, whether, um, mm. because, so, so, um, I went to a cupping, um, or, or, or no, I went to a coffee education at Roseline, um, and it was, you know, and so they had, a, uh, all of their offerings, so it was, uh, it was 12 different offerings, wow. and, you know, so, like, at the time that I did that, my preferred coffee was a Peruvian, you know, and mm. so then, like, you know, so then, of course, they had that on the table. Ooh, hey, I really like that Peruvian, you know. But then, but but I like, you know, but, like, if I were to do that again, I honestly would have kept all of the names down, you know, mm-hmm. or, like, kept all of the kinds of coffees down. So then when I just, so then when I went around, I yeah. wouldn't be affected by my bias. So, mm-hmm. a bit, I mean, like, you know, so I think, like, a blend is really good because for the cop. For the people that come in every day, want the same thing every day, a blend is perfect because mm-hmm. they can get that year after year, day after day, you know. And so then mm. that way, like they're not affected by the harvest change, by the seasons. That's a good point. Um, I like you that. know. And so really, like you know, so like because you know, I mean, like if anyone who who is in coffee knows that, like when you know, because because it is an agricultural product, mm. some countries, some regions are gonna have better years than others and so then you can just uh, substitute out like a region of that coffee with something that's kind of similar 
mm. and you know and your blends really didn't really change that much you know and so i you know i think like as you know so paul being a rooster um i think you um, have done that a lot mm-hmm. um you know so then it's like <clears throat> but i you know but like i but i think like for me though i really like working with single origin because it's it's so like it it's almost extreme, you know, just like how much, you know, because like I, you know, I, and like, you know, it's like I really like to be able to taste the different nuances of, of say like this micro lot from like Peru or like this micro lot from like Ethiopia, depending on the process, you know, it can really bring out something that just like makes your face just really like sour and tired. Like, but then, you know, but then like, but then like, you can mellow it out or, you know, and so I, I you know, it's like, I really like working with single origins just because they're so unique. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, you almost get to isolate that flavor or that not flavor, but that, that, that coffee itself. Yeah. And so any flavor you are tasting or the complexity of that flavor that you mm-hmm. can bring out mm-hmm. is, is, is just that coffee. Right. Which is kind of incredible that even in a non-blend, you can get a complexity of flavor with a single origin bean. Uh-huh. And it, that in itself is pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. And it is crazy. Like you said, year to year, that can change. Have there been coffees for you that maybe year to year, you know, year one, you like it, year two, you're like, hmm, something changed. I, yeah. I mean, I think there's like a lot of those, um, you know, I mean, like I, um, I, you know, I think um, Ethiopia, your good chefs, like prime, is like a prime example. I, I know mm. that's like a buzz. It's like a buzz coffee. Oh, hey, I want that because it's because, because it's Ethiopia. Well, I mean, there's a lot in it, but you know, that's, that's um, a whole nother thing. Um, like, like much of these, but really like, um, I actually, like, when I first started in coffee, what really caught my attention was, uh, was uh, Guatemala Antigua. Mm-hmm. It really brought my attention to it. And I loved it because it had like, had like chocolate and strawberry and burnt caramel. And then like I had it the next year's like, I, I couldn't taste any of that. It was just interesting. It was just like a flat berry. It's like, I mean, it's good, but it's mm-hmm. not. It's not what like brought me to love that coffee. You know. Um, one of the things I had questions about, some questions, was knowing if your what you're doing is it go, if it's going wrong. What are some of the billboard things that can kind of go wrong with your with your coffee as you're extracting it through espresso? Oh, there's there's a lot in there. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, there's there's really a lot in there because. Because I mean, it can any it can be anything from equipment to human error, mm. and so really, it's just trying to nail it down. Because like you want to, you want your espresso to come out about, about the same every time. So you dial it in to say, uh, to say you are using eighteen grams of coffee, you want it to come out at thirty six grams of espresso. Mm. And so then you want that to come out at you know like whatever you have dialed it into being. I don't know, from 24 to 30 seconds. So you want mm. that to be the same every time. Right. And so depending on, on like whether it comes out too, too fast, you want to adjust your grind uh, to be uh, to be more fine. If it comes out too slow, more coarse. Mm. Um, but then say like you get it down somewhere and it's just, you know, and it's just not quite right. You can adjust your dosage. So then that way, you know, so, so like up it up to 18.5 mm. or like up it to 19 grams of coffee. Then you adjust um your your espresso output right you know and so i think there's just like really just have to play with it because you know i mean like, if it's more like um more like acidic you know and it's just like um 
it makes your face pucker like you just had a warhead, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's just like, okay, that's way too sour. That's just right. like, you know, as if you really like on like the tip of your tongue, mm. it almost hurts. Right. Then it's like, okay. and But but then like all those are, um, are the same. Then you want to like up your dosage of your coffee to, mm. you know, just sort of. So then, you know, but then if it like, if it like bites like um, horseradish and it's just in the back of your mouth and it's <laughs> just like nice. <laughs> you know then it's like okay then like then like, i have too much coffee or mm. um or like it's going too long or something like that and so then you can really dress it from that and so it's just i mean it's a lot of trial and error i mean like, you know but but i mean that's just that's that's that part of it but then like also like checking your tamp to make sure that 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 it's actually straight and like that it's actually level mm. um you know because because once you have channeling, which is because because water is going to go from uh, the or the path of least resistance, right, right, and so then like check for channeling, you know, and so it's um, you know, so that's just like if there are any holes in uh, in your portafilter when you dose your coffee, mm. or uh, or if you have a lot of clumps, then like you then like that's a sign that you should clean your grinder. Mm. um you mm. know so because it's not necessarily like that anything's wrong but it's just a lot of clumps and so like it's just getting clumped together as opposed to being evenly disparate uh yeah it's yeah. A, a, yeah that's one that often gets missed it gets missed in roasting it gets missed in as a barista at home or at work mm-hmm. oh, cleaning absolutely. yeah sort of like oh that's not the word i want to hear right i want, I want a good <laughs> coffee good feeling i don't want to have to clean my machine right is that important how often yeah, for a home machine I, particularly? You know, i mean i would say it's very clean or like um it's very important i actually just saw um um i've been meaning to get some of this myself but uh it's essentially those like like balls that you can send through your grinder and then it helps clean out um, all of your birds. Um, forget exactly what it is, but like, um, you know, but like um, it's made by the same company that makes pure calf. It's like the same label, um, you know, so for someone who makes coffee at home or even in the shop, it really helps to do that because then it'll help clean out all of those oils in, um, in your grinder. And there's so many oils and coffees, you know, you know, right. so, um, yeah, and then like as far as like cleaning your espresso machine, do something like do something like Puracaf um, or Gojo, where it like really helps eat out um, organic materials that's like a cake down to um, all of your equipment, mm. and so then that way like can keep everything clean. And so I think like keeping everything clean is really important too because yeah. if you have like a dirty portafilter or um, a dirty head, then that will like affect because that coffee will get burnt just from the heat. Mm. Um, and then from there, that'll affect your, it, it won't be a visible factor in your espresso making. Everything will be perfect essentially, but then it still right. just tastes bitter for some reason after you do all of your dialing in, mm. check to see if there's any like dirt up in your head or like, you know, because that could really affect it as well. Well, and that's, that's an interesting point because a lot of times you don't look, well, I will say for myself, right. you know, you yeah. don't look up at the head necessarily right, exactly. while you're making the coffee. Yeah. And so to check that, you know, it, it may not be intuitive and necessarily. Mm. So, but sometimes you can look up there and there's there's ground coffee caked right. on it. Yeah, like the whole milk. Another cheap modification that you know, if your coffee mm. machine is not doing great, clean it. Yeah, yeah. You, you might find that that really helps. And Brandon, when you're in the shop, how often do you are they cleaning machines there? Um, I mean, like, so we do like a deep clean once a day at, at the end of the day. But mm. I mean, like, as far as like um, a blind. 
uh, cleaning. So that's essentially putting like a blind uh, for blind portal filter mm -hmm. um, on your um, on your head to be able to do like a back flush. Essentially, that will just like flush out anything that may have gotten up in your machine. Mm. I mean, like I do that. Um, we'll kind of do that uh, during the middle of the day. Um, but as far as like, um, you know, I mean, like you can like it, it doesn't take much. You know, mm. it really doesn't take much. Whether that's just uh, taking a paper towel up in your head, you know, just to get all of that coffee out, you know, just like yeah. really quickly, you know, not like it doesn't take much time. Just just keep wiping it until it comes clean. Yeah, and then it's perfect, you know. And like that's really all you like. Mm. Um, if you're in a rush, that's all you need to do. The the minerals in your water mm -hmm. over time can hugely oh. impact everything. Oh yeah, I mean like I mean I mean if you look at um you know like say say you're in a place with a hard water, um mm. and it's really bad and like yeah you know if you have like a spout on your fridge or like even like your shower head you can see like a calcium build up. Right, and, like, that's the know, one. That's the you way, think yeah. of. You know, and like if you think of that inside of your inside of your espresso machine, yeah, yeah, that's gonna do a lot of damage over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you're gonna at the end of the day get a bad cup of coffee, and you don't right. know why, and that's actually quite a simple fix, right? And so I think back to kind of the maintenance as well as like the calcium and stuff. Mm. I think consistency in the maintenance is also crucial yeah, as absolutely. well. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And obviously, in the shop, you're gonna be pulling lots and lots of shots mm -hmm. a day, right. so maybe you don't have to clean every single day in your right. home machine, yeah. but consistency is yeah. huge. I mean, maybe do like a deep clean in mm. like your home, in like your home machine once a week or something, depending on how yeah. much you use it. I mean, but like you, I mean, like for me, I'd say like at least wipe out um your head um, mm. at the you know you know just part of part of your cleaning routine so then that way like you know that the next time that you use it you're not gonna have old coffee in your head that's gonna affect you know mm. like what you have i would just make it a good practice as well to wipe out mm. um what's underneath you, your porter filter because you can have coffee blood up there yep. as well yeah so as a barista, what's one thing that currently you find focusing on is really important for you? Whether that be focusing on getting better equipment or focusing on one technique during the process of extraction. I, you know, I think keeping keeping your routine consistent from mm. cup after cup. If you can get that dialed in, well, I mean, if you can keep if you can keep your technique the same mm. from cup A to cup Z. Then that way, like, you can just adjust everything else, you know, and that way, like, you don't have to focus on, like, oh, man, I have to, I have to, uh, um, I have to keep my wrist straight, I have to do this. If you just keep the same, same good form, mm. uh, then I think that will really help you out because then, like, as you start to adjust and you start to dial things in, then, like, that'll really help you um, just keep your coffee more consistent and, you know, like, really, like, it's just like the key, I think, in coffee is, I mean, like, unless you are like going out of your way to kind of nerd out mm. and to play with the coffee, I think if you can keep it consistent, that'll be, that should take you really far. Yeah. Well, and like you're saying, if you're consistent, it takes out so many variables in that it process. Really does. Yeah. Because if you're inconsistent with your process and you change the grinder, but then it doesn't have the effect you were hoping it would have. It could be something in the process or steps that you're taking. Mm -hmm. I think that's an awesome takeaway. I had one question for you. So okay. Yeah. What is a what is a piece of coffee tech that currently 
you're 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 kind of jazzed on or you're interested in what's like is there a, is there a new piece of coffee technology or an old piece of coffee yeah. technology that has got your got um, your eye you know so uh so um i haven't gotten it yet but uh there is um there is an add-on to an aeropress where it makes like a faux espresso essentially so like it has so it actually has like a metal screen like what would be on an espresso machine hmm. and then um and then yeah and then you get more of like a true espresso out of an aeropress like um so wow. 25 dollars on amazon um i just haven't gotten it yet um, but yeah, but, but, but like, that's something that like, um, I really want to get next. That's awesome. Yeah. Man. Well, thank you so much, Brandon, for joining us. Yeah, it has been, it has been awesome. Good conversation. Good. And Brandon, so people can come get a coffee from you at Lionheart, correct? In Beaverton. Yeah. Uh-huh. Awesome. Yeah. So we'll yeah. put a link to that as well. Cause yeah, do it. Cause Brandon, I can attest Brandon makes good. Espresso. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Um, but yeah, so thank you so much for joining us. Thanks of for course, having a conversation. Course. We'll have to, we'll have to have you on again. Well, um, thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Cool. Well, hey, thank you guys for listening and we will, uh, we'll see you next week. Bye.